Great. Thank you, Martha. Um, I think most of you seem to have cottoned on to the fact that I was gone this morning because I was doing an exam, an exam on Old Testament prophets. Guess which prophet did not feature in the exam questions? Yeah. <laughs> uh, also correct, actually, but yes, uh, more relevantly, Haggai did not come up, but that's okay uh, because you guys are going to tell me all about Haggai, so I don't need to tell my examiner all about it. Um, the exam went fine, by the way. Uh, I've had about seven conversations <laughs> about that. Yeah. Um, so now you can all stop asking me. It was great. And now I'm done. So what I can't think of a better way to celebrate than with you all. Um, every time I say that, it sounds sarcastic. It's quite... It's quite genuine. Dan, if you go on to the second slide, a uh, reminder of what we're doing in these Digging Deep sessions, some solo study, some group discussion, and then coming back here to debrief. These timings have been messed up already, but that's fine. We'll try and do our solo study until about 5 to 3, then group discussion until about 10 past as build, and we'll debrief from 10 past 3 up here. Um, obviously, there aren't tables in this room. Feel free to spread downstairs for the solo study bit and just make yourself comfortable anywhere you can in the building. A reminder, slide three of what we said yesterday, that God speaks to us through the, the Bible by speaking to them then and to us now through them and then draws us to respond. So next slide. Ye- oh, hold on, back a slide. Uh, yesterday, we looked at what God was saying to them then through close reading of the text. Next slide. Uh, And this is the summary statement that I propose. I don't know what you came up with, but I propose that what God was saying to them then is this. God challenges the priorities of the people, explains his judgment of them, and urges them to do the work he has called them to, confident of his promises to bless them in the present and bring about a glorious future with a restored temple and a chosen ruler. So if something like that is what God was saying to them then, then today... We're looking at what God is saying to us now. That's all well and good for the people in Haggai's day. But unless we are all going to, after foundations, book a flight to Jerusalem and head out there and try and build a temple. uh, As I look over this room, I think only Mark would be qualified to do that. So he could direct us all. But assuming that in his retirement, he's got better things to do than teach us basic building skills. There must be something else that God is saying to us today. We are not meant to build a physical temple. I think that's clear enough. Next slide, a quote from Hebrews 12, quoting Haggai to us. At that time, God's voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, this is the quote from Haggai, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Now, that might not be immediately clear. It might not instantly help us with how we interpret Haggai. But we are seeing an important principle, an important method of Scripture interpreting Scripture. The writer of Hebrews tells us really clearly that Haggai has something to say to people living on this side of the cross and that that something is going to involve confidence and it's going to involve reverent, awestruck worship of God. 
And we're going to think later about exactly what that might mean. To remind us, though, yesterday of the timeline that we saw, this is where we are in Haggai's day. We were after the return from exile, that span of about 20 to 40 years after they got back and were meant to have already been building the temple. To extend the timeline further, this is where we're up to today. Uh, that far right arrow is Jesus' second coming. And we see the cross there and us living between the cross and the return of Jesus. So anytime we look back to the Old Testament, to a book like Haggai, we are looking through the lens of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And that is what we need to keep in mind. He ultimately is who is going to help us to understand what God was saying to them then for us now. We can only understand Haggai fully if we look back through the lens of Jesus. And so naturally, as we are living on this side of the cross and looking back through that lens, there will be some things, next slide, that are different. No, sorry, previous slide. It's really annoying that I can't see them there, but it's fine. Dan, Dan to quote, tried nothing and doesn't know what else to try. Um, so some things are different between them then and us now. And some things don't change. And the purpose of today is trying to puzzle out what those categories are. What is different between us and Haggai's first hearers? But what's fundamentally the same? And it's thinking about those questions, next slide, which will help us to work out what God is saying to us today through Haggai. So we'll push into some of those differences using, once again, uh, the questions on the sheet We'll split off into solo study now. Just to flag up where we're going as well, I have still got the questions from yesterday noted down. I'm going to try and cover as many of them on the hoof as I can as we go through. But we'll spend now up till 25 to in solo study, wherever you want, and then gathering groups at 5 to 3 for a group discussion. Those questions are on the sheets. And then back in here at 10 past 3 for some debrief, okay? So let's go. Let's see how we got on with what Haggai is saying to us now. Um, uh, who wants to kick us off? What do we learn about God's unchanging character ways, plans, promises? What are the points of continuity between Haggai and us? God is to be feared. Correct. Isn't it great that we're not ending there? <laughs> God is sovereign. Very good. Amen. With his people. Yes, he does. So I'll stop commenting on everyone. <laughs> Just keep them coming. Good. I can't help myself. (laughs) 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 I've made a rod for my own back here. I don't know what to do. Um, Good. These are all all good things, uh, ways in which obviously God hasn't changed. Um, Any parallels between the people 
in Haggai's day and us. This might be slightly trickier, but any ideas? Yeah. <laughs> it's not, not a funny thing, is it? But, yeah. Um, Margaret. Uh, <laughs> excellent point. And what... Tell me more about that. Um, why are the people in Haggai's day discouraged? No, that's, that's all. That's good. That's very helpful. I've, I've never felt so seen, lazy, discouraged, <laughs> taking God's blessings for granted. Yeah, all very convicting. Uh, any other parallels? Mm. Go on. Yeah, go on. <laughs> Tell me more. Where, where do you see fear in the people? How does that track through to us then? Absolutely. We are lazy and afraid and we need God's help. Any, anything else? Anything positive as well? Catherine, you're a positive person. What, what did you find? Yes, yeah, that's really key, isn't it? And how, how do you see that tracking through for us? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. 
Yeah. And that's, so that's one of the key things. Catherine, they're starting to shift us into like some of the key differences between Haggai's people and us today. Our salvation is secure for a start. We've got a lot more confidence. When we hear God saying, fear not, I'm with you, we've got even more confidence than they do that that's absolutely true. Are there any other key differences between people then and us today? Interesting. Mm. Love it. Why? Absolutely. Like, nailed one of the key differences there. Um, talk to me about the Hebrews verses. Um, I don't know how much light they shed on this or how much just extra confusion they added, but what do we think is going on there? What, what's the writer of Hebrews saying about how we should interpret Haggai? Anyone want to guess? I'm not trying to chip you, by the way. I don't have a good answer for this. I'm just genuinely curious to see what you guys came up with. Anyone? Win. Yeah, no, that's, that's very helpful, yeah. And a key thing someone wants to describe to me is what God said, he says. Uh, so even when we read a book like Haggai, Hebrews helps us to see that actually he is still speaking to us through it today. Very helpful. Uh, any other light to shed on that? Grace?
Yeah, absolutely. And within that final shaking, there's something that won't be shaken, which is key. I think, on a more simplistic level, how do you think, in the Hebrews 12, whoever wrote it, how do you think he wanted his readers to feel, having read those verses? I know we don't like the question about feelings, but just hazard a guess. Yeah? Certainly thankful, encouraged. Yeah, it, it's not a rebuke, is it? It's not something is going to make them feel depressed. This is clearly something which is encouraging, helpful, strengthening for believers. I think that's probably true in Haggai's day as well. If you look at the shaking references in chapter 2, so we get verse 7, I'll shake the nation so that all the treasures come in and fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. And then a little later, um, verse 21, I'm about to shake the heavens and the earth and to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. How did God want the people to feel about all this shaking? Afraid? No. Not afraid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Clearly for their encouragement. Now, I've heard a couple of things about the shaking. This is one of our questions from yesterday, so I want to just speak to it a wee bit. Um, and I've taught the shaking one of these ways. I'm still not entirely sure. I'm still puzzling this out. Uh, but I want us to see that whichever option you take, I think the message remains the same. So I've heard it that the shaking is God's judgment. That's an image that's used elsewhere in the Bible. God's shaking the earth in judgment. And that certainly makes sense in the second one. This idea of, in verse 21, shaking and overthrowing the throne of kingdoms. That seems to be God's judgment falling on the nations. Um, the earlier one, that, that still fits. I'll shake all the nations so that all the treasures come in and fill this house with glory. But... There doesn't seem to be as pronounced a note of judgment there. It seems to be more about taking the glory, the treasures of the nations, and bringing them into the temple. Now, this is how I've taught this when I've taught through Haggai in the past, that this shaking is pointing forward to a day when the foundations of the earth shake and the temple is suddenly accessible to people from all nations. Can we think of a day like that? Good. <laughs> that's, that's all. Let's go home. Now, what, what day is that? Right. Yeah. So that's how I've taught that bit of Haggai 2 before. Now, again, I'm not sure. That seemed right at the time, and I think it still tracks through. But either way, I want us to see that how God wanted his people to respond to the idea of him shaking the earth is to be encouraged. They feel small and weak now, but God will shake things up and they should feel encouraged. The key take-home thing in Hebrew seems to be, yeah, God has shaken in the past. He will shake in the future, but the kingdom that we inherit is unshakable. I'm going to stop saying the word shake now. I've said it too many times. It started to lose all meaning. Um, well, I want us to think about the temple. Daniel's already got us going on this. If you move on a couple of slides. That, that's one. Who was paying attention? <laughs> it won't amaze you to know that Jesus is one of the answers. Um, can someone read John chapter 2, verse 19? 
Can anyone read John 2.19? Sorry, go on. Uh, sorry, Daniel, I cut you off. Go on. Thank you. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Thank you very much. Ephesians 2, 19-22. Thank you, Margaret. And then Revelation twenty one twenty two. Thank you. Next slide, please, Dan. Um, Paul said yesterday that there are, there are different ways you can do a Bible overview. You can use the theme of kingdom, as we've been doing. You can use the theme of temple. He mentioned that the Garden of Eden is a temple. Uh, You can trace that theme all the way through the Bible. Here are the four, to my mind, major ways that we see the temple being spoken of in the New Testament. Uh, Jesus himself is the temple. Uh, The church is the temple, as in the people. The individual believer, God dwells in us by his spirit. We are, in that sense, temples. And then the new creation, where there's no need for any physical temple because God's dwelling is truly with his people. These are the four major ways that we see the language, the concept of temple tracking through. And the, the first Peter reference that Daniel mentioned earlier. First or second Peter? First Peter. I always get them mixed up. The first Peter reference, very similar to the Ephesians one, talking about building up the household of God, talking about the individual believer as a stone in a building project. It's not wrong and I don't think it's a big leap therefore to say that when we read a book all about building God's temple building God's house that we living on this side of the cross can think about that work in these four categories and so as some of you have already helped us to see for us the work of building God's house will look like building the church numerically through evangelism And spiritually, as Daniel was sharing with us earlier, as we build one another up, I always find it quite amazing that the simple act of just speaking the truth and love to somebody, taking time to pray with a brother or sister, sharing the gospel with a friend, even in a very weak and stuttery way, all these are ways in which we are building God's house. And we will feel fearful as we do it. We'll feel woefully inadequate as we do it. And Haggai really helps us to hear God's assurance that he is with us in all these things. That ultimately, the work is actually his, and he really has and is empowering us as we share in his work. Um, if you move on, next slide, and then move on one more. These are just some of the promises that we read in Haggai, some of the things that God promises to do. And again, it it gives us real assurance here. In Christ, we can can read these promises and know that God is with us. Even as he stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, that's a key detail. It's not just the people think, oh, I suppose we better get on with it. God himself seems to generate in them the impetus for coming back to him. 
That's our God. He doesn't allow his people to wander away. He's with us as we work. His spirit remains in our midst. He will give peace. He has given us peace. The latter glory of this house shall be greater. We've seen that already. Christ being the true temple. We've seen it already. We'll see it brought to completion and perfection in the new creation. And similarly, that promise to bless. We have been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Ephesians 1. Haggai really helps us as believers today to take and feed on God's promises And to have every confidence that they are true. And to have that confidence in the context of sharing in God's work of building his people. Now you'll notice that the signet ring promise is there. Uh, I know that was another one of our questions from last day. Not last night. From yesterday. Um, For the sake of time, we'll come back to that tomorrow. But for now, moving on to the last couple of slides. What is God saying to us as believers today in Jesus? I don't know what you came up with, but this is my stab at it. Uh, Through Haggai, we are challenged to consider how much of a priority we make of building God's house, numerically, numerically and spiritually, and assured that in Christ, God has blessed us and is with us as we share in his work to build his people. That's kind of my stab at a summary of what Haggai is saying. Now, tomorrow we will think about what exactly that's going to mean for us as individuals and get more directly applied to our lives. What are the things that we can really feed on, be encouraged by, be challenged by, shaped by in this part of God's word? But for now, we're going to leave it there.